great Sunday morning to you. Welcome to the Wyatt Wright Show. We've got a fantastic new show for you today. You're not going to want to miss this one. My name is Wyatt Wright, and this show is about our rights and the laws that govern us. Rights you've heard of and care about would certainly miss if they were gone. I've spent half a lifetime watching government go from trying to do what's right and failing, well, to trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more personal rights are erased from the books, while Americans stand idly by, and it's not because we don't care. We care. But our lives are busy enough trying to feed our families and raise our kids. And while we're busying ourselves with life, the thing we love, the metaphorical water temperature is rising all around us. Like that frog who gets boiled without ever knowing it. They put him in the pot and they warm it up and you never know what's going to happen. On this show, we discuss legal issues that affect you and me, the citizens of America. We'll take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom. Your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely, or in short, to live the American dream. Let's get right into it today. You've heard us talk right here on this show about it many times. We have real-world examples of the courthouse door closing. They close for ordinary Americans, allowing us to be taken advantage of time and time again by special interest groups. Big business does it. Insurance industry does it. These mega corporations with billions of dollars are oftentimes bent on making more and more money on the backs of unsuspecting Americans. What's more, their high-dollar media campaigns have many of us believing that they're on our side. That is, that the real problem are lawsuits brought by tiny people. I use the word tiny because plaintiffs are generally one or two people stacked up against the best law firms that money can buy, hired by mega corporations to squash these plaintiffs with real-world concerns and squash them like a bug. Mega corporations who would rather spend $500,000 defending a legitimate claim for $20,000 in damage. Why? Just to discourage the next person from filing a lawsuit. Now they have another way to discourage people from bringing legitimate claims the threat of owing them their attorney's fees. Consider this case. A lady whose doctor was a drug addict and was under the influence of drugs when he botched her surgery, causing severe injury to her. Even the nurses present agreed that it happened. In fact, even the state of Texas agreed, and they revoked that doctor's medical license. He then left the state in disgrace and went into hiding. The injured patient sued, but Texas law requires that she personally serve an expert report on the doctor. The same doctor, remember, who left the state and could not be found even by a host of private investigators. Not only was this lady's lawsuit dismissed, but she was ordered to pay the doctor's insurance company's attorney's fees. Then her case, of course, was held up as an example of the success of tort reform. The only success here was the insurance company avoiding paying something that they owed on the claim, and instead put a hard-working American into bankruptcy owing absurd defense legal fees. Ladies and gentlemen, real-world stories of losing access to the courts, they continue. We hear these. We hear them happening, and they continue to happen every day. That's what we're talking about again today, and to help us do it, we have a fabulous guest with us. Joining us today is former public interest attorney and documentarian Susan Saladoff. You remember Susan. She's the producer and director of the hit documentary entitled Hot Coffee is Justice Being Served, which Entertainment Weekly called a must-watch show. Hot Coffee has aired on HBO and is now available on DVD. You've seen her interviewed nationwide on TV stations and shows such as Stephen Colbert's The Colbert Report. 
Miss Saladoff has become adept at exploring how the media and corporate America manipulate the public into believing that the civil justice system is broken. Susan, I can't thank you enough for joining us today on the Wyatt Wright Show. Well, thank you for having me. You know, your movie, uh, Hot Coffee, looks at the stories of four people whose lives were devastated when they were denied access to the courtroom after being injured. And I got to wonder, I mean, and I've seen it. I saw it the day it came out. Uh, how is it that you settled on the title uh, for this documentary? Well, it's uh, it's interesting because it wasn't the first title of oh, the documentary. Okay. Um, the very first title was called Distorted, Dis, you know, Distorted, All like right. D-I-S-T-O-R-T-E-D, which you know was a play on the words of tort because it's um, it's about tort reform. Sure. But I realized that when I was making the film, that very few people know what a tort is, let alone know what tort reform is, and that most people wouldn't get the joke, right. um, or not really the joke, but the, the, the double entendre. But what really happened was is that as I was making the film or thinking about it and writing an outline, at first I wasn't even going to touch the McDonald's coffee case because um, as a lawyer I practiced for many years. I was taught that, you you, you know, when you're trying cases, it's, you don't want to try to change people's minds on something sure. that they are so ingrained into thinking. And, and almost everybody who has heard about the McDonald's coffee case before they saw the movie, they think, oh, what a ridiculous lawsuit. Sure. You know, how could someone spill coffee on themselves and win money? And so I was really going to stay away from it. And then I realized, no, I have to go right after it. You know, I have to, like, that case has been used as the poster child for what's wrong with our civil justice system. And most people have the facts completely wrong. And so I thought, well, if I call the movie Hot Coffee and start with what the true facts about that case, then people will see how they've been manipulated and how the information that they've been given is, has been distorted. And then maybe they would be open-minded about the other issues in the movie. Right. So and so that's how I that's how I came up with it. Right. So it's the fact when you're able to show folks facts, oftentimes that that changes the discussion than than merely allowing them to hear rhetoric in the first place, I suppose. And also, you know, the, the, when people come into the film, oftentimes they think, "Oh, this is a movie about all those frivolous lawsuits." And within the first what few minutes, they they, they are shocked. I mean, they are like the number one uh, phrase that people tell me after they see the film, and that it's eye-opening because they walk in thinking one thing, and they walk out thinking something very different because of how much they've been manipulated by the media and by corporate America into believing things that just aren't true and are really out of their best interest. Sure. And so we're talking about, as an example, we use this case, the, the Hawk Coffee case, which, of course, the plaintiff was Stella Liebeck. Uh, and, and, and when you're able to show people facts, uh, th these aren't things that, that are made up. These are This is what happened in that case and in other cases, hearing it from the horse's mouth, as it were. The facts of the Hawk co Coffee case uh, uh, were so distorted when they reached America. But, but how so? How, how were they distorted? People believed that she was driving, that this okay. was a woman who was driving a car and drinking coffee and spilling it on herself, and that, you know, she wasn't very severely injured and that she won millions of dollars. And the reason why a lot of people think that is because on the night of the verdict, Jane Pauley was sitting in for Tom Brokaw on the NBC Nightly News, right. and she reported to the world that this woman was driving the car when she spilled the coffee, uh -huh. which is absolutely false. It's right in the beginning of the film. And uh, so, and then, of course, it got picked up by all the different comedians, you know, Jay Leno sure. and David Letterman, and, you know, Seinfeld did an entire episode on it, you know, where Kramer, you know, spills coffee and goes to Jackie the lawyer. That's right. So it became...
became like you know sort of this uh, this big joke, um, and people started believing. You know, there's a, a neuro linguistics professor who I interview in the film. And he says, it's, his name is George Lakoff, he's at Berkeley, and he says, you know, when you repeat things enough times, the brain actually starts to change and believe what's been repeated. And so the media and many politicians, as you'll know from watching, you know, Sunday right. morning uh, uh, talk shows, you know, they tend to repeat things over and over and over again. And when people hear those things, they tend to think that they're true. Right. And, you know, kids have even got this figured out. I've got two young ones, and if they, they figure out if they can repeat something enough, uh, then, then I might just cave in and they'll get their way. I mean, this is something that, that, that perhaps we, we know intuitively, but we don't stop to think that this can actually happen uh, in the real world when we talk about things that matter. Now, you've, you've talked about, and in, and in the show, uh, you, you cover several topics. As a matter of fact, I, I think you cover uh, four, I counted four uh, stories mm-hmm. uh, with, within, within the movie itself. And one of the topics really seemed to me, and it, it, it launches out of the hot coffee case, this concept of exaggeration of the frivolous lawsuit. Uh, is, yeah. is that something? I mean, you, you know, here we've got vast sums of money that are being spent to convince us that our third branch of government, uh, the courts, uh, they're inept and that they hand out free money just for the asking. And in my practice, I haven't seen that happen. So let me ask you, why do you suppose this topic of tort reform gained such traction? Well, it gained traction because of the these stories that were made up, many of them out of whole cloth. Um, you know, oh, did you hear the one about, you know, the, the, the guy who's driving an, an RV and he puts it on cruise control and he goes back and makes a cup of coffee and then he gets into an accident and, you know, and then he sues. Or did you hear the one about, you know, the guy who's, uh, you know, the burglar who's coming through the chimney and gets stuck and, you know, winds up suing and wins. I mean, these people, you know, people hear these, like, you know, these urban myths and they're, they're literally made up out of whole cloth, mostly by organizations like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce or these public relations firms that are hired by these large corporate interests, and they send them out to people, or they make up, they, they put them in, in uh, they become part of our mass media. Sure. Um, and I don't know if you get these, I, I used to get them all the time, you know, these things sent to me on the internet called the Stella Awards. Yes. And, you know, they're named after Stella Liebeck, who was the woman from, from the hot coffee case. And they're like the most ridiculous lawsuits, you know, this year, and you should vote on which is the most ridiculous. Sure. Well, if you were to go to, you know, any of these um, sites that actually determine whether these are truths, you'll find out that they're all completely made up. Right. They're the same stories every year. But they're, they're sent out in, you know, we live in a fear-based society. And so they're sent out to people who, believe, who, are, who are led to believe that their insurance rates are going up because of all of these crazy lawsuits or that somehow it's affecting them personally. And, um, and they're not, you know, they're, 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 it's just all propaganda. Sure, sure. And, and you know, we already, and, and it bothers me as an attorney because I don't see that happening. And, and I'm very uh, partial to our system of laws and realize that we've got a great system. Uh, but we already have a remedy for lawsuits which shouldn't have been filed. I, I mean, in the event that, that, that a, a lawsuit su- such as that is filed, we have a judge and we have a jury. I mean, those get dismissed. I mean, first you've got to find a lawyer to take it. Uh, but, but these tort reform proponents would have us believe that if a client convinces a lawyer to take a case, 
And if a case makes it past summary judgment, if it makes it past the discretion of a legally trained judge, if it makes it past a jury of 12 people, if it makes it past appellate courts, then the case is a prime example of a frivolous lawsuit if the award is over a certain amount. Right. I mean, and so... It's that, crazy, isn't it's it? Crazy. It's like there are so many checks and balances. And the other thing is, is that if 12 people are sitting on a jury, 12 independent people, and they're listening to both sides, and they come up with a verdict that is high or whatever it is, by definition, it's not a frivolous lawsuit. That's correct, because they've made the decision according to our laws. And who else do we want making these decisions? I mean, these are folks right out of the community that hears these cases. Yeah. And there's so many checks. I mean, even in the McDonald's coffee case, I mean, the verdict got reduced. It sure. was, you know, it was... Uh, uh, the, the punitive damage amount, you know, was very high. It was, you know, 1.7 million and then it got reduced. And so, um, the judge in that case, even though, you know, I, I don't right. necessarily agree with two days of coffee sales for McDonald's, right. but, you know, it, it got reduced it got and reduced. that's the way our system works. Yeah, that's the way it works. Yeah. Another topic you touched on is the concept of forced arbitration, uh, which takes away your right to go to court if you're taken advantage of or cheated or injured. And, and we've seen the U.S. Supreme Court uphold fine print arbitration in credit card agreements, cell phone contracts. What bothers me is the basis, uh, that, that they're using uh, to uphold these is this notion that we didn't have to agree to the contract. Mm-hmm. And and it bothers me because that's not true. I mean, is there really an option when it comes to credit cards or which cell phone company you use? You know, of course not, because, I mean, I like if you go to buy, um, you know, an iPhone, for example, and yes. you go through AT&T, you can't even get it activated sure. until you agree to a mandatory arbitration clause. And people don't really even know what it means, let alone that have a choice. And um, otherwise, they're not going to get the phone to work. When you get a credit card, just by using the credit card, you are agreeing. To these, yeah. to this, this clause and everything you buy on the internet. You know, oh, sure. now you can't buy anything can't without buy anything. going through that. You know, you have yeah. to check the little box that says "I agree." Right. And whoever reads those, because you can't buy the product well, that's, unless that, you agree. You're right. And you know, here's the thing that people I don't think realize. And without getting too technically uh, uh, legally speaking, we have had a remedy for this throughout time. It's called a contract of adhesion. The legal system has had ways to say those types of contracts are unenforceable. But now we have a change in the dynamic. The U.S. Supreme Court is is of the mind that, look, a contract is a contract no matter how you entered into it. And so the legal system that worked to make sure that people were protected in such instances is being usurped. Is that about right? Absolutely. And, you know, can we I, I would like to back up for a minute and sure. just explain to your listeners what these contracts mean. Yes. What, it, what is an, a mandatory arbitration contract? Because you're be, the reason I included that section in the film. And by the way, for those who haven't seen the film, it's not as dry as it sounds. No, it's not. In fact, the, the Jamie Lee Jones story is horrific. It deals with, with physical injuries. Right. I mean, each each of these sections of the film has a, a real life story behind it. And so people will be engaged in the story. Stories that, uh, that these people have have suffered, and then as a result of watching those stories, they'll get to learn something as well that affects you. Every single person who's listening to this, these mandatory arbitration clauses, and I included it in the film because it does affect almost all of us at this point. What it means is that if you enter into a, a an agreement or a contract, and again, as as why I just said, it's not really an agreement just by using a credit card, just by you sure. know using your cell phone, you you have technically agreed. Um, it means that if you ever have a dispute with this company, like they've overcharged you a late fee or whatever the dispute is, the company now 
um, the, they pick the decision maker. So you right. don't go into the court system anymore. You've the jury's gone. given up your right to yeah. go into our court system. They pick the decision maker. They pay for the decision maker. The decision maker doesn't have to give a reason why he or she came up with the decision. It's completely secretive and there's no right to appeal. No right to appeal. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting and it's something. So who wins? Yeah, who wins? The, the, and, and you know where the allegiances are. The because allegiances. They're not going to get paid. They're not going to get hired right. again unless they rule in favor of the company that's paying them. That's right. And it's bad enough when we're talking about cell phones. It's even worse when we're talking about uh, uh, physical injuries. Go watch Hot Coffee. By the way, if you just tuned in, you're listening to The Wyatt Wright Show. We're talking with Susan Saladoff, the director and producer of Hot Coffee, a documentary that aired recently on HBO. And, 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 le- and let me just point out now, now you've also talked about in your, in your film, you, you demonstrate the dangers of preemptive caps on, on medical malpractice claims. I mean, which something, by the way, uh, we face to an extreme degree in Texas. Uh, and, and the way I think about it, if I negligently throw a baseball through my neighbor's window, uh, should I be capped at the price of the window? Or, or shouldn't I instead be also held responsible for the cost of the, of the vase inside the window that gets smashed? I mean, how much sense does it make for legislatures, and here's the question, to pre-decide a cap on what a future unknown injury is worth? Well, it's not only just, you know, we're talking about people and... You know, like if you, if you lose a leg or if you lose your reproductive rights or if you, you know, become brain injured, how can, how can a legislative body that's never seen the plaintiff, that doesn't know how old this person is, that doesn't know how long they're going to be suffering with this injury, how can they say that there is, you know, a one size fits all number? Sure. You know, that's why we have juries and that's why, you know, that's why we have judges and that's why you know, but we also have the Seventh Amendment to the Constitution, which is the most important thing that we need to remember. Because, you know, we have all these people who scream about our constitutional rights, and they scream about the Second Amendment and the, the First Amendment. But yes. the Seventh Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is trial by jury. Right. And right. that means that we are supposed to have a jury of our peers decide what it is that we're entitled to in a civil case. And most of our states have a, a similar uh, constitutional provision. And when these caps on damages are, uh, are set up by our legislators, they're essentially a violation of our constitutional rights. And we should be, like, yelling about that. Yeah, we should. We should, because let's think about this for a minute. Who better in a system of government to make decisions about what or is not, what is or is not proper standard of behavior in in a community than the members of that community? I mean, the mores of society should be judged according to the times by the people who are there. That's the way the system was set up by our founding fathers so that we had people from the community, the jury of your peers, and if you take that away, then it's, it boils down to what the vested interest are of that arbitrator who's making a decision. And what's happened is is that these corporations um, who figured out that you know, we know that, you know, we have three branches of government, and as you've said, you know, our, our, we have, you know, people know we have our executive branch, our legislative branch, and our courts. And they're the three pillars of our democracy. And most people understand in our society today that money and big interests have essentially co-opted our executive branch and our legislative branch because they have to run for office and, you know, and they have to, 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 to continue to raise money to, to, to stay in office. But people have not really gotten that our courts are also being bought and paid for by large corporate interests. And the reason that that's happening is because their courts are the only place that we as average citizens still have available to us to hold wrongdoers accountable. 
And if we lose the opportunity to hold wrongdoers accountable in our courts, we've essentially lost our democracy. And the court, large corporate interests realized it, and they realized that we now elect judges. And when we elect judges, they have to run for office. And if they run for office, they have to raise money. And so we have our, our court system is being co-opted by these caps on damages and other ways where we're, we have obstructions, essentially, to getting full justice. Correct, correct. And we're also being co-opted because our state Supreme Courts, which are mostly now elected, are being bought and paid for by large corporate interests who essentially are behind these huge amounts of money that are being put into judicial races. Yeah, and you know, in, in the story that you touch on, uh, you've got to go see this, ladies and gentlemen, in, in the movie The Hot, uh, Hot Coffee, uh, and you talk about the story of Justice Diaz, who, who is forced in that situation. We have corporate influence now on elections. Uh, since the since the time uh, uh, perhaps of, of uh, well no, it was about the same time we've got the Citizens United opinion which 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 I, I've talked about ad nauseum on this show uh, and and it's really a way to allow corporations to speak with unlimited dollars uh, to get the way that they want and I'm reminded of a corporation who lost a lawsuit so it spent three million dollars to elect a friendly justice to the West Virginia Supreme Court that man won the election and promptly voted in favor of the corporate Operation on appeal. I mean, can this really happen in America? Obviously, so. It's happening all the time, and it's and it's still happening in our elections. Just this last year, in Washington State, in Florida, these judicial elections were being influenced by large amounts of money. And you know, most people when they vote, they don't really know who these judicial candidates are. That's they don't true. think about the judges and what it means. But we're talking about the highest courts of our states. And they're the ones who are making the most important decisions in our states. And they're, and they're essentially being flipped in terms of, of their influence by these large corporations because a million dollars thrown into a judicial race is a huge amount of money because it, 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 in terms of buying ads and putting out the message, but to a large corporation, it's nothing. It's nothing, and the average person can't compete with that. They can't compete with that type of noise on the airwaves, and now that that noise is even louder, it's even more difficult. You know, and it seems to me that this agenda can be likened to uh, a corporate holy grail where there's no regulation, there's no lawsuits, there's no accountability, and it just can't happen. We in Texas have seen, and another great organization, of course, is Texas. Texas Watch we have here uh, in, in Texas, and I know that you know Alex Winslow, the executive director of that group, uh, who, who put out a report recently and told us that something, and I, and I want to make sure I, I don't misstate the facts, it's over 80% over a period of 10 years of cases that are handed down in favor of corporations whenever they involve a corporation and an individual citizen. That, to me, is just plain uneven-handed. It definitely is, and, and just so your listeners know, since it's Texas, you know, one of the arguments that continues to be made by these corporate interests is how, you know, our health care costs are going up and oh, yeah, doctors' right. insurance rates are going up and that we need to have these, you know, these these caps on damages and these other types of limitations so that we can keep costs down and that jobs can be created. You know, it's the same lingo over and over again. But the proof is in the pudding, you know. In Texas, in 2003, you know, your, your citizens voted to put this, you know, these caps on damages and your insurance rates have not gone down. Your health care costs have not gone down. 
And, you know, people can't, if you have a medical malpractice case, you know, in Texas, you know, you're not going to find a lawyer in no, all likelihood. And I see it. I see it. I have people come into my office and say, look, listen, this is one of those cases. I mean, this is, this is horrible. And I say, yeah, but you remember 2003 when everybody, well, I voted for that. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, but you, you understand that that, no, 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 no. That covered frivolous lawsuits, Wyatt. Mine's not frivolous. Mine's not frivolous. And that education curve really hits a brick wall when people realize that this does not discriminate. Cats do not discriminate. They affect everybody's suit and claim the same way. You know, it's interesting. Whenever I speak and, and people watch the film, one of the questions, because I've done so many sure. you know, Q&As after screenings, people always say, well, you have to admit that there are frivolous lawsuits. And I'll say, well, you tell me what your definition of a frivolous lawsuit is, because I'll tell you this, it's never going to be your case that's frivolous. So it's going to be the other person's that's case right. that's frivolous. And so, you know, everyone assumed that the McDonald's coffee case that everybody has heard about, you know, why? Just so your listeners know, that case happened, the decision was in 1994, okay? Sure. So we're almost 20 years to that case. Why does everybody in the world know about this is the most famous sure. case in the world? How did that happen, you know? Sure. And it's so interesting because when people come to that to the movie, they're assuming that that case was frivolous. And then they watch the film and they go, whoa, wait right. a second. Because I say, do you still think it's frivolous? And sure. they go, no, 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 it's not a frivolous case. And I said, yeah, when you find out the true facts of these it cases, changes it. you know, most yeah. of the time, you know, are there, is there ever going to be a case that's non-meritorious? You know, I'm never, I'm not going to say never because sure. I don't b- believe in absolutes, but the likelihood that, that a frivolous case is going to get through the system yeah, is going to get the jury to, to award money to get through the, 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 as you said, the appellate system. It's there are it's very, very, very few. It's very long. And you know, Susan, we're, we're getting ready to come to the end. Let me ask you this question as we go out here in the last few seconds. What can we expect from Susan Saladoff in the future? We have more films coming? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I'm working on a narrative feature film, which is like a um, with actors, and you know, Good. like the one you would kind of that you would see in a theater. Good. And I'm making it about the Oliver Diaz story that the Mississippi judge that's in Hot Coffee, and I'm making that because I want to get the message that's in Hot Coffee to an even larger Correct. audience because it's so important these issues, and I want you know average citizens to understand what's happening. So, um, and if, if your listeners have not seen the movie, it's um, still available on HBO. Go, but you could also get it on Netflix with DVD, iTunes, Amazon, Xbox, PlayStation, and also our website is hotcoffeethemovie.com, or we have a Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash hotcoffeethemovie. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susan. Thank you. Susan Saladoff is the producer and director of the hit HBO documentary entitled Hot Coffee, which Entertainment Weekly called a must-watch show, and with good reason. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry, and it will make you just plain angry at what is happening to our judicial protections. Go buy or rent your copy today, Amazon.com or wherever your movies are sold, and you'll find out what I'm talking about. We're going to have to wrap up this show today, but as you go through your week, remember that it was Justice Learned Hand who so famously said, if we are to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment, thou shalt not ration justice. Have a good day, everybody. Come visit us on the web at WyattWrightShow.com. Go to Facebook, Twitter, and all that other good stuff. We'll see you next week right here on The Wyatt Wright Show. Bye.